The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the Midwest Crime Files. I'm your host, Gina. And I'm Chris. We're here to tell you the stories of small towns and the heinous crimes that changed them forever. See, we told you we'd get back on a normal schedule, you guys, and now you're even getting one a little early. Yes. So, first I want to tell everybody that we've gotten a lot of feedback about some sound issues. We are so, so sorry. Um, On our end, it sounded okay. So we're not really sure where the problem is, but I will tell you that thanks to our amazing Patreon supporters, we will be getting new recording equipment and that should yep. fix the sound issue. So Yeah, and hopefully that'll be coming within the next couple of weeks. So just be prepared for stellar crystal clear audio. It'll at least be better. <laughs> right, it'll at least be better. May not be perfect, but it'll be better. Um, so I'm going to jump right into the story, though. This week's story is called Who Killed Christine Schultz? In the suburbs of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 30-year-old Christine Schultz was living with her two sons from her previous marriage to Alfred Schultz. Now, his name is Alfred, but he goes by Fred. So I'm going to call him Fred. Fred was a Milwaukee police officer. Christine had since started dating another police officer since her divorce. So she has a type, apparently. The divorce from Fred was eh, not not too pretty. It was less than amicable, for sure. They had lots of tension between the two of them. Fred had a lot of resentment because his sons were bonding with Christine's new boyfriend. And sometimes when he'd show up to pick them up, he'd have to wait because they'd be, like, playing football or basketball or something with with uh mom's new boyfriend so that was kind of annoying him um and christine though i mean she wasn't doing anything wrong because shortly after the divorce and i mean like a couple of months uh fred remarried to Lorencia bimbenic and she was known as Lori. she was 21 so she was quite a bit younger than him as well on may 28th 1981 Police were called by Fred after his sons called him in a panic. The young boys, 11 and 7, described waking up to see a man with tan gloves standing above them. He described the man as a tall man with a red ponytail and a green jogging suit. They described the assailant as wearing black shoes that they recognized because they were similar to the shoes that their father and their mom's boyfriend wore to work. So they're cop shoes. Sounds like there's a type all around this story. Yes. Um, The boys said they woke up and the intruder was standing above them, but quickly left the room once he realized they were awake. He then heard his mother scream this horrific screech when he went in the room, he found his mother in her bed, face down, tied up, and covered in blood. That's an interesting way to find somebody. Right? 
And can you imagine being that young? No, not at all. Oh, terrible. But I mean, it sounds like at least their parents had like taught them what to do in cases of emergencies because they knew at least to call their father. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, at least they had that going for them. The motive in this case did not seem to be burglary. And I'm going to tell you why. So when police get there, Fred was there already. He was comforting his sons. Christine was laying in her bed. She had been killed by a single gunshot. And nobody really understood the motive. And they were thinking at first maybe this was a robbery. But it really wasn't. There was nothing stolen at all. There were lots of expensive things. Christine's purse, her wallet, everything was still there. The first suspects then became the obvious ones. Who do you suspect? You always suspect the spouse, so the boyfriend, or the ex-spouse, the ex-husband. And with a less than amicable divorce, he probably shot to the top of that list, I would imagine. Yeah, that's like sub, like suspect numero uno right? kind of type thing. It's like Detective 101. It's usually the spouse. Right. Or the ex-spouse. Uh, police investigated Christine's boyfriend, but he had an alibi that they were able to substantiate pretty, pretty solidly. So they ruled him out. Uh, Fred had been working and his partner confirmed that they were investigating a robbery at the time that Christine was killed. Christine's next door neighbor was also investigated. He was a little strange. Um, he would ask the cops if he could hold their gun and see their badge. Like he was just kind of, kind of strange. Um, he seemed fascinated with law enforcement, almost like wanting to be a cop, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, he told police that someone had recently broken into his home and stole <laughs> his green jogging suit and his gun. Jeez, really? You don't say. That's what he said. I mean, the exact description of what we're talking about, the green jumpsuit. Did he have red hair? No. Okay, well. His handgun was the same caliber as the murder weapon. I mean, that's a twofer is what that is. That's a twofer right there. But here's the thing. He had an alibi that they also confirmed, and it was rock solid. So now I got you thinking, don't I? Thought you had it figured out already. Oh, I didn't. I don't have anything ever figured out in these stories. <laughs> um, the police focused on Fred Schultz. They tried to poke holes in his alibi. Um, they met his 21 year old wife, Lori. They had married just a few months um, at, at the time of the crime. They had only been married a few months. Fred and Christine were not getting along. Fred felt as if he wasn't getting enough time with his children, and he really resented Christine's new boyfriend. He had also been ordered to pay substantial amounts of alimony and child support to Christine. And so police thought maybe this was the motive for murder. With Fred having an alibi, though, police kept searching for suspects. They looked hard at Fred's new wife, Lori Bimbenik. Lori was born Laurencia Ann Bimbenik on August 15, 1958 in Milwaukee. She was the youngest of three girls in her family. Her father had been a police officer. See, there's lots of police officers in this story. 
Yeah, you picked a doozy of one. Um, but her father actually left the Milwaukee police force because he said that it was full of corruption. And he had been outspoken about that. Lori was raised Catholic and attended Catholic schools before graduating from Bayview High School in 1976. She then attended Bryant and Stratton College in Virginia Beach and earned an associate's degree in fashion merchandising. She was, for a lack of better words, she was like a hottie. Um, She was thin. She was blonde. She was pretty. She was the kind of woman that people would stare at when she walked in the room. Like, I think she was Fred's trophy wife. It sounds like it. Um, she had actually been a Miss March in a calendar distributed by Joseph Schiltz Brewing Company. She also worked for a short time at a Playboy club and she earned the nickname Bambi. So she often was called Bambi after that. In 1980, she decided to switch gears and she began training for the Milwaukee Police Department. Like everybody's a cop. Everybody in this story's a cop. I'm sure the two sons ended up growing up to be cops. That'd be interesting uh, to find out. I think I found one of them on Facebook, but I wasn't 100% sure if it was him or not. Um, But yeah, very interesting. So while she was still in training, Lori was accused of smoking weed at a party. The accusation ended up being unfounded. And Lori stated she believes that it was made by another officer's wife who resented the attractive female being on the force. This is what, early 80s? Yes. So yeah, I could see how some douchebag would be like, oh no, she's too pretty, she smoked weed. Right, and at this time, women in minorities weren't treated as great on the force. It was the first time women were really getting to be on the Milwaukee um, police force. So. They weren't treated the same. I mean, that's just the long and the short of it. Once she was on the force, Lori described a work environment riddled with corruption and sexual harassment of female officers. She claimed that minorities and women were often fired from the force for very trivial infractions, simply to get them off the force. However, she said that white men on the force committed far worse infractions that were largely ignored. In May of 1980, Lori attended a concert with her friend Judy Zest. Judy was accused of smoking weed at the party and was dismissed from the force. So Judy was also on the force. Okay. Uh, Months later, Lori was dismissed as well. The department said that she filed a false report in the case of her friend Judy. So what I'm thinking is she probably wrote a statement saying she did not believe Judy was smoking weed or some, something along those lines. And so they fired her for that. So that certainly does seem kind of trivial. I mean, we're not talking about a murder case that right. she's, you know, kind of dumb. Lori was a proud feminist. She fought for equal treatment for women. She was outspoken about her belief that the Milwaukee Police Department was corrupt and had unfairly dismissed women and minorities. She had obtained photos of several officers, white men officers, dancing nude in a bar in a park. One of those was Fred Schultz. 
She brought these uh, photos forward to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, but nothing really came of it. However, they said she embarrassed the police department. Meanwhile, she had started dating the newly divorced Fred Schultz, although that was one of the men that she had turned the pictures in. Jeez. I mean, it sounds like they all got drunk and were just doing stupid shit. Yeah. Lori and Fred married in January of 1981, just two months after his divorce. However, a judge later ruled that the marriage was invalid because apparently under Wisconsin law at the time, I don't know if it's still the law, but it was in 1981, in Milwaukee, you had to be divorced six months before you could remarry. That's kind of a dumb rule, but I kind of see... The reasoning behind it, too. Yeah. It's it, it's an interesting one, for sure. They were legally married in November of 1981, after Christine's murder in May. Allegedly, Lori resented Christine and her demands for alimony and child support. She allegedly felt this was impinging on her life with Fred, and they struggled financially because of his obligations. And so that was kind of what the detectives were thinking maybe would be her motive if she did this. Detectives were still investigating Christine's murder in the summer of 1981. They confiscated the weapons belonging to her ex-husband, Fred. Fred's off-duty revolver was determined by ballistic experts to be a match to the murder weapon. So now they feel like they've got the murder weapon. It's Fred Schultz's off-duty weapon. It had to be either Fred Fred or Christine. Or not Christine, Lori. But, but Lori. Yeah, had to be Fred or Lori. That's kind of where they're at. Um, Fred had been investigating a robbery that night, or so he said. It turned out later that his partner admitted he lied about the alibi and they were not investigating a robbery. In fact, he said that Fred was having a bad night, so they went to the bar. So that alibi has changed. According to the medical examiner, Christine had been killed by one shot point blank to the to her back and it went through her heart. So somebody knew what they were doing, too. Yeah. Like, I don't think you usually shoot somebody in the back. Mm-hmm. If you're trying, like, if you're just going to do one shot, you would think you would just do the head. Right. So that makes me think they, they knew what they were doing. The evidence suggested that this gun was the gun that belonged to Fred Schultz. Fred was with his partner that night, although he originally had lied about his alibi. But police, I guess, believed him after he lied and got caught. And then he said, I was at the bar all night. Um, So they started focusing on Lori. Lori had been home alone the night of the murder. She had access to the murder weapon. And although she claimed to be home all night, there was nobody that could verify it. There was nobody that lived close by that could could have seen her. You know, they didn't have the children that night. So there was nobody to say, yeah, she was definitely home. So she doesn't really have an alibi. She also had access to a house key for Christine's home, which explained why there was no forced entry. So it's definitely looking like it's either Fred or Lori. But the cops are focusing hard on Lori. Yeah, if, so am I. Yeah? Yeah. It just seemed like she she has a lot of resentment going on. At the scene, two blonde hairs were found that matched hair taken from Lori's hairbrush. The only thing I thought about that when I read that, though, 
is they share these children and we're talking about two hairs and that and I don't know where they were found specifically but if they were just like randomly there like that could have even been like a transfer from a kid or yeah but a, I just think I that's know. a little I shaky I just I don't that's know. a little shaky um and then it was interesting because their plumbing backed up at Fred and Lori's so they had to hire uh, a plumber and when he came in he found a red wig flushed down the toilet at Lori's apartment. Now me thinks it's very much Lori. Yeah. Judy Zest, her friend, also came forward and claimed that Lori resented Christine and had said on numerous occasions that she would like to see Christine, quote, blown away, end quote. So this is her friend that she stood up for and gave up her law enforcement career for. I mean, I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. I'm just saying, like, right. she's just can't have, a, she can't catch a break here. Nope. Lori denied this accusation. She claimed she had never owned a red wig and she had never made those comments about Christine. The prosecutor, though, was not convinced and Lori Bimbenek was arrested and charged with Christine's murder. At trial, the prosecution presented the case against Lori Bimbenek. This evidence included the wig found in her apartment building, a green suit similar to the one described by the boys, clothesline, and a blue bandana in her possession that were very similar to the bandana and clothesline that was used to bind and gag Christine, and then, of course, Fred's off-duty weapon. A boutique owner testified that Lori purchased a red wig at her shop shortly before the murder. It's all circumstantial evidence except these two blonde hairs that they found. Even though to me that's circumstantial too because you can't prove that was from the killer. And she did have regular contact with Christine's children. That is true. So I, I think it's all circumstantial. The media also helped to paint Lori Bimbenek as a murderer. Although she only briefly worked as a waitress at the Playboy Club, she was known in the media as the Playboy Bunny murderer. They would say that she was a centerfold and all these different things, and she wasn't. She was just, just a waitress at the club for like a month. The defense suggested that Fred's alibi was shaky and that he too had a motive. And that's true. He did have a motive and he did lie about his alibi, which is kind of interesting, especially being a police officer. Yeah, but I mean, his, even though he lied about it, his alibi could be substantiated. By his partner. Don't and the bar owner. And the partner lied to him the first time. And the bar owner and stuff like that. Like, they're, like I, we can't prove where Lori was, like you That's said. That's true. That's you know, true. I can, I have multiple, I can have multiple witnesses be brought up and be like, yeah, he was at the bar with me. You know, yeah, he was at the bar that night. That's you know? true. That's true. But I still think that he. I mean, I'm not saying that. I don't know. I I'm just, not saying I'm not comfortable he... thinking he was not involved. Mm, that's, I don't know. Lori took the stand in her own defense. She stated that the prosecutor's theory that she wanted to live an extravagant lifestyle, but was handicapped by her husband's financial obligations to his ex-wife and children was absolutely ridiculous. 
In fact, Lori stated she did not want children and would not have killed Christine as that would mean she would have to help her husband, quote, raise the brats, end quote. So this is not stepmom of the year, for sure. <laughs> not even stepmom of the decade. Like, we're not even near that ballpark. So she's like, you know, why would I kill Christine? I don't want these brats. Right. Christine's son testified that Lori was not the person he saw the night of the murder. But the prosecution said, you know, he's a little kid. If she was in a disguise and he only saw her for a minute, she's tall. It's very possible he could have thought it was a man. Lori was stoic during the trial. A point the prosecution said pointed to her guilt and lack of remorse. She was painted as a sociopath, but she claimed that she was being set up by the Milwaukee Police Department for speaking out against the corruption and bringing the nude photos of the white male officers forward. Regardless, the jury convicted her of first-degree murder and she was sentenced to life in prison in 1982. She was sent to, I can't pronounce that, Techita? That's what I would think. Techita Correctional Center to serve her sentence. So what do you think about her claim that maybe the police department is setting her up because she embarrassed them? I have no clue. Like she brings an interesting point. She brings an interesting point, but there's, yes, it's circumstantial evidence, but there's a lot of evidence pointing towards her as well. That's true. Like, I'm sorry to say it. It wasn't like the cops planted the wig that was flushed down your toilet. Yeah, that's true. You know, like I can see some like I could see her point of view in it, but there's too much evidence in my mind like to say that, oh, no, this is just a setup. There's quite a bit of evidence. I'll give you that. By 1983, Fred had divorced Lori and moved to Florida with a 19 year old. So he's a real winner. Like, he just seems like he just wants, like, to date really young women and, you know, once she was in prison, it he sounds like didn't it. have any use for her. He initially defended Lori and claimed that she was innocent, but eventually he decided that she was, and I quote, guilty as hell, end quote. Following her conviction, Lori filed three unsuccessful appeals. Her defense team pointed out that the evidence implicating her husband was not shared with the defense and that she believed there was another viable suspect. That suspect was Fred Horenberger. He was a longtime criminal who used to date Judy Zest and had worked with Fred Schultz on a previous remodeling project. Fred Horenberger has a long criminal history. And about 30 days, 35 days, I think, after Christine's murder... He broke into Judy Zess' home and beat her severely. For that crime, he served 10 years in prison. He committed suicide in 1991 during a standoff with police when he took hostages following an unrelated robbery. That's somebody that I'd be like, okay, he might have been a suspect. Right. And according to her, like the prosecution and the police department ignored that. And I could, 
I the more you start deep diving into the backstory of all this shit, the more I'm starting to think that maybe this was a kind of a cover up slash somebody else did it. Well, it's interesting because I thought like, okay, so he used to date Judy. So maybe he would like broken and beat her because of like domestic issue or like jealousy or something. Or maybe he was trying to make sure she shut up. Other evidence came to light following her conviction that further led the general public to believe that Lori was innocent. First, the original medical examiner testified or signed an affidavit rather that she did not find any blonde hairs originally at the scene despite two hairs matching Lori being the main key evidence that pointed towards her. She later said, quote, I recovered no blonde or red hairs of any length or texture. All of the hairs I recovered from the body were brown and were grossly identical to the hair of the victim, end quote. So now you have the medical examiner saying, I don't know where these hairs came from. They weren't there. Okay, now it's starting to get even more suspicious. -er. Right? Another witness claimed Judy Zest had used the bathroom at Lori's house the day before the wig was found and suggested that perhaps she had flushed it in an attempt to frame Lori. Methinks this case is starting to get tangled into a mess that Chris's brain can't comprehend. Right? Like, and so then that made me think, I wonder if that was the motive for Fred, like to shut her up to make sure she didn't talk. Or maybe he was trying to kill her. And just didn't succeed. Judy herself recanted her testimony about Lori's statements about wanting to blow Christine away. She, after the conviction, she recanted those statements and she said that she was pressured by police officers to make that claim. It's just all sounding really fucking fishy right now. Right? Like... This case blows my mind because you go back and forth on it. Like, is she guilty? Right. After multiple failed appeals, Lori met a fellow inmate's brother during visitation. She began a romantic relationship with Dominic Guglietti. That's a name, isn't it? Guglietti? That is a very... That's a name. (laughs) On July 15th, 1990... Lori escaped prison by going through a window in the laundry room. During the escape, she cut her leg on a fence. She made it to her boyfriend Dominic's car and the two drove away. They ended up in Ontario, Canada, where they started to build a new life with new names. So Dominic actually like, was looking through obituaries and stuff and he actually was, came up with social security numbers and stuff of dead people. And that's what they, that's what they became. So he was definitely a part of it, not just her ride. While on the run, Lori went by the name Jennifer. And when she was in Canada, she worked as a waitress and a fitness instructor. In the meantime, there's a manhunt. I mean, you've got an escaped murderer. Many people, though, supported Lori and believed that she had been wrongly convicted by a corrupt system. During her time on the run, she's all over the media again, and people were actually wearing t-shirts and buying bumper stickers that read, Run Bambi Run. That's kind of funny. Right? Yeah. 
she has like a fan club. She was once again a media sensation. She had um, she was captured after America's Most Wanted featured her and her neighbor recognized her. So she was caught the same way Sarah Pender was. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't we just cover a case where somebody like recognized somebody else and they're like, oh, hey. And because of America's Most Wanted. Yep. That's a show they need to bring back. I agree. Um, so she and Dominic were arrested. Following their arrest, Lori and Dominic split. Dominic said that he believes that Lori was using him and he was genuinely hurt by her. He was in love with her. Lori fought her extradition to the United States, claiming that she was escaping unlawful persecution. She was eventually returned to a Wisconsin prison, and she continued to fight her case, and eventually she won a new trial. The appellate court ruled that police made several mistakes during the investigation, and Lori was entitled to a new trial. Given the evidence suggesting that Lori may have been wrongfully convicted, the state of Wisconsin opted to take not to take her to trial again, and instead they offered her a plea deal. Lori pled guilty to second-degree murder and was released on time served. How do you escape prison and go on the lam to Canada and end up getting a plea for time served? She got lucky, I guess. Like, I would think she would at least have to serve several more years so, so, for that right despite being free after serving just 10 years of a life sentence Lori was not content she wanted to prove her innocence and she worked really hard to do that another ballistics exam in 2005 suggested that fred's off-duty revolver may not have been the murder weapon after all further testing on dna demonstrated there was semen present on the victim that did not match her boyfriend and the DNA, clearly, because it's semen and she's a female, did not link Lori to the murder. In fact, they found no DNA matches that matched Lori. Jeez. Well, I made you change your mind, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Despite the new evidence, Lori's appeals continued to be denied. Although she was free, she was still on this mission to clear her name. Unfortunately, she never got that opportunity, and she died on November 20th, 2010, from liver and kidney failure at the age of 52. She died a convicted felon. I don't believe. I don't believe. After all of that, I believe her. I, like, I I don't. I don't know if. It's kind of like the Sarah Pender case. Like, I'm not sure if she was guilty or innocent but she definitely didn't get a fair trial no not at all and i be- i believe like i don't believe that there was maybe corruption to the extent that she was thinking but there might have been some right you know and i don't believe it was her especially since they found fucking semen right like, that was never mentioned at the original trial either which well, i get they probably didn't have dna back then but they would have known they had seminal fluid right and that was and, never and, brought well, up. And I, I'm surprised that, like, I guess they, I guess they're thinking that they caught the killer, so this is a done, like, done and done. But I'd start running DNA. Well, I guess you can't run DNA on the one guy, uh, Fred, the guy that was... The Hornberger. Yeah. Um, probably not. I was thinking he killed himself in 91, so they probably didn't get DNA it, from him yeah. on his arrest, because they no. didn't really do that back then. Nope. What's interesting is this case was, like... N- 
all over the world. It was right. a very, very media attracting case for right. obvious reasons. You've yeah, got it was. this beautiful young girl accused of this horrible murder, these accusations of a corrupt police force. Right. Um, and actually, there's a musical now called Run Bambi Run. That is based on the Lori Bimbenic story. Is this a newer musical? Yes, it's it's touring right now. Oh. Interesting, huh? That is very interesting. Like how often, like there's only a handful of like plays and musicals that get made about true crime. Right. I mean, Chicago is, but yeah, yeah just interesting. There are people that truly believe that Lori Bambi Bimbenic was wrongfully convicted and that a real killer got away. So what do you believe, Chris? I believe you on that. I think maybe a real killer did get away. And maybe he's living down in Florida with his 19-year-old girlfriend. Or may have committed suicide in 91. You know, like, I, I honestly believe that, that there was probably a miscarriage of justice done here. Do you think Fred um, hired... Fred the hired, other Fred. That is a possibility that's running through my mind. You know, hired her and then hired him. You, you know, mean. yes, and then you know Judy maybe flushed that, which kind of does make sense because if you flushed a wig down the toilet, it would clog pretty quick. Right. It's not like it's something that's you're gonna go a day or two and flushing shit down, literally, right. and like and thinking, it was weeks. Right. So that kind of makes me think maybe Judy did do that. And then maybe she had threatened to tell the truth. And that's why they beat the shit out of her. But then Lori, I mean, it was Lori's apartment. She could have been like, well, I need to get rid of this somehow. Let me flush it. Right. I mean, there's so like there's evidence either way. Yeah. You know, but hell, the medical person or the medical examiner saying that there was no hairs recovered. That well, to me is... That's kind a huge of the red thing flag. that makes me think that she's not guilty. Right. And then you almost have to wonder, like, I understand he married her, which is kind of weird. But was Fred still upset because she had, like, brought these nude photos, which were of him and other officers? Like, maybe he was, was like, this like a revenge. Right. Like, I'm going to set her up for murder and I'm going to get rid of Christine so I don't have to pay all this child support and alimony and I can have my kids all to myself. And I'll just frame this biatch and Did you just really throw the biatch out there <laughs> well i wasn't gonna say the other word because we're trying to be a little more pg friendly but i don't know i i think it's a real why are you laughing at me because but no i i agree with you i think it's a real possibility that there's a killer that got that was free for time while she was serving the sentence for it mm -hmm. this case reminds me a lot of Sarah Pender's case. Yeah, it does. Except I will say, I'm pretty convinced Sarah Pender's guilty. Right. Um, but I don't know if they had enough evidence to convict her at the same time. So right. there's that. But Lori, I definitely don't think they had enough evidence. And the evidence that they did convict her on was apparently. circumstantial. And apparently some of it just made up. Right. So that's interesting. And yeah. like they left things out, like the semen. They didn't tell the defense nope. they found semen. This is why they offered her the second degree plea. Because yeah. yeah. they knew if they took this back to trial, she was going to get acquitted. Yeah. And they were going to look like idiots. Yep. 
if you guys want any of the information for any of the stories, including this one, go ahead and head over to the midwestcrimefiles.com. Click on that link that goes you to the most recent story at the very bottom. You'll see all the references that Gina uses for each and every one of these stories. If you want to help us out getting the new audio equipment like our Patreons did this time, head on over to patreon.com slash the Midwest Crime Files. You can donate anything from it, like as little as a dollar a month, guys. We appreciate you guys so much. We know that we, we're we only doing this for fun and everything like that, but you guys make it so that we can, we're able to do that. Um, it's to the point now where I would be so sad and I would miss all our listeners so much if we didn't do this podcast. Right. I mean, whenever we had that run of COVID, it sucked just, it sucked because it's like, oh, we can't record this week. I know. I missed my listeners. Yep. I really, really enjoy your guys' feedback. So please keep it coming, positive or negative. Um, we need to know so we can be better. Yep. And on that note, I think we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>